Welcome to the Writing Wall Podcast. I'm your host, Stacy, and every second and fourth Saturday of the month, tune in as we interview indie and traditional authors from across the social media writing communities of Instagram and Twitter. We hope you'll enjoy this episode and find some great reads to add to your to-be-read list this season. Raw, precise, unbiased. That's our friends at Scribblesworth Book Reviews. Scribblesworth is not only a safe haven for writers where they can get free tools, knowledge, and resources to help themselves, but also a place to help each of their clients to reach more readers with less and less effort over time. Check out their book reviews, e-magazine, awards, articles, and more. Just visit scribblesworth.wordpress.com or follow Julio Carlos on Twitter at Julio underscore reviews. Because we all have a story, Scribblesworth Book Reviews wants to read yours, and the Writing Wall Podcast wants to share it. What is your story? Welcome back to the Writing Wall Podcast. I'm your host, Stacy, and I'm here this evening with a very special guest, author, photographer, and businesswoman, Beth Jordan, whose memoir is titled, Thank You for the Kiss. Beth, thank you so much for being with us this evening and for joining us during season seven. Thank you so much, Stacy, for letting me be a part of this. Tell listeners a little about yourself, where you're from or where you reside, and the genre you write. So I'm originally from India, of what I'd say Eurasian parents, not Anglo-Indian, because Anglo-Indian normally means half Indian, half English, and I'm definitely mixed European with some Indian. But I came to England a very long time ago with my family, and now, currently, I'm up in the Highlands of Scotland, which is a really beautiful part of the United Kingdom. Uh, lots of hills and lochs and valleys and beautiful birds. We have a exquisite pheasant who comes into our garden every single day. So it's such a treat to see this magnificent bird strolling around the garden, squawking his head off. And yeah, and I really do love the Highlands of Scotland. I think almost everybody who comes here loves loves this area of, of the United Kingdom. So my particular story is in the genre of memoir. And I have had lots of conversations with people about, is it autobiographical, is it fiction, is it non-fiction? And so it's a little bit of a mix. My story is a little bit of a mix of, well, it's actually very much memoir. Uh, as you, as uh, listeners know, it's a part of one's life, not the whole of one's life. It's an episode. And it's an episode that happened a few years ago in my life that has a feeling that possibly it's fiction because it can't possibly be true what's actually taking place in the story. <laughs> yeah, so it's a memoir. What is your book, Thank You for the Kiss, about? In honesty, I've actually kind of struggled to describe what the story is about, but I think it's a story that by its very title would, would presume it's a, mem- it's a romance, but I don't believe it's a romance in the 
traditional sense of a romantic novel. But it's a story I think that a lot of readers will relate to and they'll understand because I would say many women and men go through a phase in their life where they get badly hurt, badly bruised. And they, at some point of that bruising, they enter into an altered state of mind and an altered state of being. And in this particular story, um, my, my protagonist, she has been left for a younger woman very familiar story her mother has died and she's actually grieving seriously grieving and she's almost at the point i'd say of a semi-nervous breakdown but not quite and she goes off on holiday decides to go on holiday and she ends up in cuba a place that she has known about for a long time wanted to visit and she goes off there with lots of hope and anticipation of having a great time seeing a new country entering into a new uh, a new culture because she's a very well-traveled woman and she appreciates every culture that she goes into and she's very respectful of the cultures that she visits so on this particular trip she goes to visit cuba she falls in love with the country she loves the fact that it seems to be in a time warp she loves havana she loves everything about it the way you can walk around you get immersed in the architecture in the music she loves dancing and she's relatively carefree but she's quite a cautious woman by nature she's careful of what she does when she travels and that's a very important part of the story that in general she's a really cautious traveler respecting the culture but for whatever reason this time she's she she's been changed by the effects of the, her, the past few years in her life and she meets a man and sounds like a familiar story and at the beginning there is they're just friends and gradually something happens to her she becomes attracted in a way that she doesn't understand really what's happening to her and she returns to cuba many times and she enters into a very strange relationship with, with this man and the man sees her as something she's full of hope She's looking for a new life. She's looking for a way to change her life. She wants a different life. She's tired of the old life. She's lived for 35 years. She's been a fashion designer and she wants something new. And coming to this country, she sees the possibility that she could maybe start a new life over here. So meeting this man, she thinks it could be something interesting, you know, um, something local. She can walk around with him, get to know him. But he sees her as something very different. He sees her as an opportunity. He too is grieving for his past life. He sees her as an, as, as an opportunity to maybe change his life also but there's a conflict because what she's wanting is not what he's wanting and the story begins to change dramatically she gets very involved in his family life and she loves it she loves his family very dearly they're wonderful people she is the sort of person that doesn't like to be a tourist she likes to get to the heart of everything and she gets to the very heart of cuba she gets to see things that other people never see but in the ensuing process she does things that she would never, ever do. She acts in ways that she would never act. And as time goes on, the events take on a very dark and sinister thing. And it spirals down into a state where they're both shocked. Everybody's shocked. And by the time we come to the end of the story, it's a situation that none of the people involved would ever have dreamed could possibly have happened. And Thank You for the Kiss is actually a line in the book. And I use it as my title. What were some of your favorite scenes to write about in the book? Ah, oh, yes. I really like that question. Thank you for asking me that question. Um, there are quite a few scenes in the book that I absolutely loved writing. And one of them was in particular about a family picnic. And it's, a, it's a quite an important part of the story because it's about the fact that Gina is the lady in the book. She always wanted to get to the very heart of 
everywhere she went and she would go to the family picnic and she absolutely cannot believe her luck at being so involved in in in, in local life and she gets to see these people who live a very different life to hers who have very little money but the way that they enjoy themselves the way that they can sing and laugh and she goes on this picnic and they go down to a river and she sits in the water with her friends and she drinks whiskey and they play music and then they all sit around a fire and they eat and she gets an opportunity to just look at each of the characters that she writes about and she gets an understanding of human nature like she's never ever experienced before and in writing that part of the scene which is in fact chapter 26 three pages on from chapter 26 she begins to understand what life really means and how people can really enjoy their existence without having to be wealthy that the little that they have they embrace it and they are full of joy and camaraderie and i loved i was so immersed in writing that that uh, i i felt every moment as i was writing it i felt it i saw it i could touch it it was tangible yeah it was one of my favorite parts of the story to write I often find that we really do connect with our characters through watching other people because we can say, "Oh, our character did it like that," or "Our character does it like this," or you know, you just sit and people watch for a few hours and you can kind of pick up on some neat little things to add to your characters, and I think that's always fun. Yes, because uh, because in fact, when I wrote that story, there was a part where I actually described in the scene. I described each person, and I began to get to know them so much better because I took the time to sit and to watch them and to draw out their strengths and draw out their peculiarities and look at them physically as people and and understand. And one of the things I, I noticed when I was out there is that everybody dresses really well. they have such pride and such dignity in the way they hold themselves and it's something that i've often observed about people from the caribbean from the from cuba that it doesn't matter how little they have they take a great pride in how they look it's really important to them and so writing that scene just gave me so many insights into how people hold themselves with dignity and the ways in which they do it yeah it was a, it was it was a very it was quite a life-changing moment for me writing that scene. Speaking of people watching and creating characters from that, who was your favorite character to write about and why? So the lady that I absolutely loved writing about was the lady called Silvana in the story. She is the the aunt of the man that was another main character in my story and I absolutely loved her. She was a big buxom woman, full of laughter. She had a booming laugh and she just saw life I don't know, she just saw life so differently to the way I've seen women in the West um, look at life. She was the kind of woman that I, I actually write that she would put a backpack on her back, put all her troubles in her backpack and have no problem in just moving on with her life. She seemed to just be able to absorb everything around her. And she and I had this wonderful relationship. She, she had a wonderful relationship with the, with the, With, with Regina that we would sit together at the table and she would write in Spanish and I would try to translate it and she would giggle and laugh while I was struggling to understand her Spanish because her Spanish was very colloquial and she just had a real lust for life and yet I sensed because I sensed that she'd had a, a pretty tough time but she was able to absorb everything and, and I thought what a wonderful way to be able to hold yourself to be able to live your life that your life is tough but you can still find humor and laughter and love Yeah, she was she was my favorite person to write about. Did you always want to be an author and if not, what did you want to be or end up doing? 
Yeah, never saw myself as an author. I always wanted to be a dancer from a very little girl. But I remember spending a lot of my of my life scribbling in diaries. I, I um, wherever I travelled, I was very lucky. I travelled to India, I travelled to China, I travelled to South America. I, I kept diaries of the places I visited because I knew I would never remember everything. So I, I was a scribbler, and so it never occurred to me to really write. But I thought it would be nice one day to write about. But I didn't think I was able or was creatively able to actually write at all and it, it happened that I went to a creative writing class and one of my first exercises was to write about a sense of place and for some reason Cuba, my, my, the, the time Cuba came to me and I started to write about a sense of place and how you describe a place so that anybody who's never been to that place can actually get a very clear picture, a very clear image and so I started to write away we were given a thousand words to write and it ended up I couldn't I couldn't write a thousand it ended up by me writing the whole book and that's how I came to actually write the book because it was through a creative writing class and I'm very very glad that I actually did that because I learned so much and it happened to be a class around memoir writing yeah that's and that's how it, how the story has come about I really enjoy when authors show a sense of place and make place kind of a central part of their books and their stories. I think that's a phenomenal thing to do and I think it's great that you've been able to do this through your memoir. I think when we write about things like this, it deepens the story so much more for our readers. Yeah, in fact, the whole of the story, I concentrated very much on on evoking a sense of place wherever it was that the story went to, whether it was just standing in front of a mango tree and just looking at the, the ripe mangoes hanging uh, off the tree or if they were sitting on a wall ripening in the sun. It was important for me to really create uh, imagery so that the reader, I didn't want to be make it too explicit because I wanted the reader to also use their own imagination and bring their imagination into the story. So I, but that was important to me to describe really well um, Whatever the mood was in the story, it was important for me to describe it really well. Do you have a favorite place that you enjoy writing or going to write? I used to sit in my study and when I, I lived down south and then we came up to Scotland and we bought a big old farmhouse and I would sit in, in my lounge and I found it, it was too quiet. So I took myself off to my local cafe restaurant and I spent hours there writing in the restaurant because I found that seeing all the people around me and the slight buzz and noise of the, of the background was very, very inspiring for me. And I, I couldn't believe that I was actually able to sit and write and concentrate and come up with so much of the imagery in my head while there was so much going on around me. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, this sounds like a JK Rowling. <laughs> but in fact, I, I did, I'd spend a lot of time and the local restaurant, the it got to the point where the manager said, can I ask you, what are you actually doing? I said, I'm actually writing a story. And he said, oh, okay, do you want a cup of coffee? <laughs> and they took good care of me. But I spent hours and hours and hours in a cafe writing because that's where I found the, the easiest place to write. How does it feel as an indie author to know that people all over the world are reading your words and connecting with this story? I'm quite thrilled by that and it was, it, you know, this whole episode has been unexpected and I have friends in Australia and I have friends in, where else, in South Africa and they're reading. I, I'm just quite stunned by, by it that the story that I, I have written is actually being read by people all around the world and how do I feel about it? Slightly nervous, in fact, wondering what they're thinking of the story. I always ask for feedback, anybody I, I sell a book to, I say, please, would you give me feedback I really want to know what you thought about it because it would, it would only help me for the next book that I, I, I would love to write I'd like to know 
you know, even if it's grammatically incorrect or if you've got a sense of place, has it come across to you? So yeah, it's it is thrilling. It's a bit nerve nerve wracking. It's a bit actually it's quite humbling because I never expected this to happen. So I'm still processing it. In fact, Stacy, I'm really processing this whole this whole phenomena that's taking place. Yeah, for sure. I agree. It's totally an amazing thing. You're not really sure how to feel about it, but you're you're nervous, but you're also really excited that people are connecting with it and that it's going from not just local to regional, but national. And then slowly but surely all over the world, like I've seen my books go to Japan and Germany and Australia and places like that. So it's really great to see the stories get out there. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. Yes, yes, I think it's inspiring. It's inspiring. And I'm waiting for the day when somebody writes back to me and says, you know, I have a similar story to tell. I'm waiting for that day. I would really love to hear other people if they've also had similar stories. Like, because part of the story that I've actually written is there is a sense of, of, of a warning. There is a sense of, you know, when you're really vulnerable and, you, and but when you're traveling and you're vulnerable, just really be careful of where your emotions will take you and the consequences of what can happen. Not everybody gets themselves into trouble, but uh, for me, I've always been a very cautious traveler, really cautious. And I've always had boundaries around what I do and how I behave. And this particular episode took me out of my usual way. So, I, you know, I've, I've learned from that, that it's time that I am careful when I'm in a vulnerable state how I'm going to behave with other people and the reactions that my behavior can have on other people. So I'm conscious of that. But in fact, what I'm really wanting to start doing is to write more and more. And what I'd like to do is to see what kind of spin-offs come from the, from the, the next set of books that I'm going to be writing. Yeah. Are you currently working on another book? And if so, what can you share with our listeners? Actually, it is a memoir again. In fact, everything I will be writing is memoir because having traveled, I've been to Mongolia, I've got stories about Mongolia, I've been to Cambodia, uh, been to South America, I've been to India a lot. But the next one that I've actually planned to write is uh, for one and a half years, I kept a diary of my mother's spiraling down with Alzheimer's. And I would, every time she went, after she went to bed, I would sit and write about her day, the effects of her day, what happened to her, the way she changed, the way we changed. I found it very interesting that I, my mother and I didn't always get on very well together. We were always at loggerheads. Uh, and uh, when she got to the point where she was beginning to become more and more frail I found myself switching I found myself becoming the tigress and wanting to protect her and making certain that nobody would hurt her and so this this diary is is for me to explore what is memory and how do we function as people without memory why is you know when we lose our memory what do we become you know who are we so it's not just what Alzheimer's, which is written about, but for me it's about seeing what happened, the effect of losing the memory on that person, seeing how that person, like I'll give you one instance, my mother smoked from the time she was 26 years old till she was 89, and one day I went to see her in the nursing home, and I playfully said to her, would you like a cigarette? She just looked at me aghast, shocked, she said, I never smoked, I said, mom, you've been smoking since you were 26, she said, I have not, well certainly, and she'd forgotten that she ever smoked. And that was it. And so it was quite incredible. I was stunned. So without that memory, you know, it asks a lot of questions. So having kept this diary was really helpful for me. And I'm sure I'll be crying all the way through 
re rewriting it and reformatting it. But I do want to explore this whole concept of memory and who are we without our memories. That sounds absolutely amazing, Beth. I know that listeners out there cannot wait for this next memoir if they've read Thank You for the Kiss. Yeah, I hope they won't be disappointed. <laughs> what advice would you give to someone who is looking to self-publish? Oh, yeah, that's a big question, Stacey. So I, this is my first time into self-publishing. And in fact, um, the writing of the book has been relatively easy compared to self-publishing. It is very complex in terms of the many areas that one's got to cover very carefully. And I think one has got to really have built their audience. In fact, my for me now, I will, I have a small, I have an audience now, but I will really work on building my audience for my next book so that when I'm ready to launch, I will have an audience that will be, let's say, receptive to buying the book. Um, I think that's one of the most important things about if you're going to self-publish, you, you need to have your audience in place. You need to be able to say, okay, I'm going to launch my book and uh, you can pre-order the book. And then after that, um, you can carry on buying the book. And I've noticed that the marketing of, 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 of one's book and self-publishing is, it's, 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 I've been in marketing all my life, but this is something very different. I'm learning new skills, but it's not impossible. And there, I'm sure there are lots of advantages because I do hear it's really difficult to get an agent to get one into to get to find a publisher. So self-publishing can be a good route, but I think if one can get some really good expert help in how to self-publish and when to really plan, in fact, you need to really have a complete plan, a timeline for your book, for your uh, for getting started to, on your on your social media, on your PR, on your printing of the book, and on the designing of the cover. Uh, I would suggest to somebody to really, you love writing a book, if you want to get it published, plan how you're going to do it. That's really important. And I had some very good friends who helped me draw up a proper timeline for publishing my book, and it was helpful. So that when I said I was going to publish it on the 14th of March, I was able to publish it on the 14th of March because I had done all the preparation for it. There is no denying that that first book gives you a lot of teachable moments and there's no limit to the amount of mistakes that you'll make, but it definitely does prepare you for that next book and then the next and the next. Yeah, we do. And the cost involved in, in self-publishing, I have made many mistakes and paying too much, but now I've learned. So the second time around, I'll have a better knowledge on how to self-publish without paying a lot of money. Yeah. So Beth, how can listeners follow you and find your book? It's on Amazon currently as a Kindle download and as a paperback book, or they can contact me on my website, which is www.bethjordanwriterphotographer.life. I also have an email address, which is thisisitamwriting at gmail.com. With this website, they can get directly in touch with me. They can sign up for my newsletter and they can order the book as well. It has been an extreme pleasure speaking with you, Beth. Thank you so much for sharing your story with the Writing Wall podcast and our listeners. We encourage everyone to check out. Thank you for the kiss. Oh, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to chat to you. I'm so grateful. Thank you very much. And we also want to thank our wonderful listeners and followers of social media and the writing communities for joining us during our season seven in this special interview with Beth Jordan. Be sure to check out her Buy Me a Coffee Extra on that platform, www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash The Writing Wall. And tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for our interview with author Nick Wilford. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Writing Wall podcast. This podcast is a partner with Tea with Coffee Media and Scribblesworth. Because we all have a story, the Writing Wall podcast wants to hear yours. What is your story? 